Hello and welcome to the One L Two and podcast. I am Amy. I am injured and old. I'm old because I'm injured. I'm injured because I'm old. And we are joined by some other old people today. Missy, I'm the oldest of all y'all. Mike, young at heart. Tommy, Amy's really old. And our oldest guest, Liam. Yo. <laughs> we are a family of old people going through the story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the ride. Uh, hello and welcome, everyone. Um, how's everyone's week? I'll go first. I hurt my back and it hurts. Oh, that's it. That's my whole week. Anyways, how's everyone else doing? That wasn't your whole week. I don't remember what happened before then. My memory's <laughs> going too because I'm so old. Oh my goodness. So what? Are you three days in the back hurts? This is like the start of a new year for you. Yeah. So it's just like zero. Nothing today else has happened this year. Of day three, zero year of Amy back hurt. Yeah, basically. You're old now. I'm old. I'm old now. Talk about because I'm old, not because I work a very physically stressful job or anything. Just because I'm old. Blessings. Anyways, how's everybody else this week? How are you guys doing? How are you? What's going on? What's happening? It's been nice. It's been uh, decent here. Most of the snow's melted. It's been like 45 to 50. Good walking weather. So. Oh yeah, uh, it actually was really good weather this week. I did forget about that. Doing a lot of that. Making lots of music. Finishing school. For now, Yay. I guess. <laughs> Finishing this two-year period of school until I begin the next two-year period next year. Wait, you're done? Didn't classes just start? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm finishing my bachelor's now, and then I'm starting master's next year. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying you finished your bachelor's this week. Oh, no, I'm finishing because working it's the last semester. The last semester. Now I'm finishing. I'm finishing school. I'm not really working at all. Just <laughs> hanging out in the library and... Pretending like I know stuff. Panicking about my future. None of us know what we're doing. We're all just improving. It's one, one big old improv session is life. Isn't improv typically funny? Why does this feel so depressing? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's funny how it's depressing so right. it is. <laughs> no, no. Definitely. I don't know about that. Did this, right? You get from the yeah, sitcom levels. I mean, everyone laughs at me, so... Well, that's because you're funny looking. Great. That's different. It's different reason. I'm doing great different still. Reason. Doing great. Well, cool. I've uh, joined you all together here so that we could talk about something very important. A question I have. And the question that I have is when you guys are starting new media, whether it's books or a video game or movies or TV shows or whatever, when you're starting that new piece of media, what is your deal breaker for instantly going, nope, nope, I'm out. Not, I, moving on to something else. I feel like I don't have instantaneous deal breakers. I feel like they happen usually a few episodes in. Oh yeah, that, that works too. It doesn't have to be instantaneous, but. Or at least for TV specifically. And I'm going to, people are going to hate me for this, but JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I cannot fucking stand that show because it's an anime, by the way, for all three of you, four of you that don't know. It's a, it's a really, it has like wonderful ideas, but they stop and then they talk about how they're feeling in that exact moment every single time they do this like stupid battle and they do it in like an opera way where it's like very, every character is super loud. And I just, I'm, I'm a more show me, don't tell me type person. And when you're consistently telling me like, this is how I feel right now. 
next episode, this is how I feel right now. And it's usually the exact same thing about this person feeling the exact same way and there's no character development. Oh, gosh. It, it like, turns me straight off because I'm like, I see how you're feeling. You don't have to tell me it. Shut up. It just, it gets me. Are they doing it in a way that's, so like, upset. over-highlighting the way or, like, what's going on specifically? I, I mean, I've never seen I think it's, it's purposely because some other animes, they also like say the exact whenever they're in a a fight they're gonna say the exact attack maneuver that they're doing as well so that's like a a very japanese anime type style which i don't mind that it's just they're really emphasizing on how they feel and it's it's overdone in my opinion but i think it's stylized to be that specific way so i've talked with other people and they really really love like that aspect part of the show, they love that the characters are telling you exactly how they feel at all times. So I'm like, I think it's just for me, it's just like, no, 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 I can't, I can't stand it. I don't know why. I, it's a pet peeve, I guess. Fine. So what would you do to improve JoJo? Just press mute during those sections? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. If there was like a, a dialogue sound option that I could just turn off, I'd be like, this show's great. <laughs> Is... It's Oh, go ahead. It's It's... There's there's like interesting ideas again, and they just overemphasize it. And I would have loved to have seen these characters. You see them go through struggles without them over explaining why they're going through these struggles and why they are like they're detailing every single thing, every single way that they feel. And I, I hate that. I'm like, I as an audience member don't want to be babied through figuring out a character i want to figure out the character as the character is growing and developing not instantly know this character because it gives some sort of engagement as i'm going along in the show and it strips that away it's like i couldn't even watch it while working out because i'm like i just like oh gosh this is the worst i don't know that that's how i feel i know it's very negative but now are you watching it with subs or dubs it was dubs sorry subs i always get them mixed up subtitles um, are du- subtitles du- yeah actually what does dub sound not duplicate dubbing over dubbing over of. yeah the I'll reason s- why i ask real quick cutting you off is because a lot of times when things are translated and you're listening to the dubs they do translate strangely so i actually prefer subs myself and i find that a lot of times the dialogue is then obviously directly translated, whereas when they try to dub an anime, they do tend to change the way a lot of way a lot of the ways that things are said, and it oh, can yeah. change the context of how things go. So I wonder if you were to watch a subversion, if it would be in a different experience for you. So I actually watch most, and I'm uh, gonna get a lot of hate for this too, but I watch most animes in subs and dubs because i'm very interested in that fact i love to see how the dialogue is differing from the subtitles and there's a death note for example the dialogue like never differed there from subtitles to actual dialogue which is interesting but every other anime i've watched it is a stark difference from what's being spoken to what's being read because it's a direct translation versus how do you make it sound good in english so I'm going to jump in and say it's not just anime. I've watched a lot of European shows. It's usually sci-fi, mysteries, investigative shows. And if I have dubs on, I always put subs as well. And it's always a variance between what's being said and what's being written. And not just like a word or two. It's usually quite significant. 
Oh yeah, it really is quite significant. And I I find it super interesting Mm -hmm. most of the time because it's like, this is what's being directly translated versus how they want this translation to sound good to the audience member that is supposed to be perceiving it. Or be understandable as well, because there might be like cultural references that specifically us as an American audience might not understand too well. Although with enough context clues, you probably could get what's going on. Yeah. I will say it's also a lot of times when they write English stubs, they are usually writing it to fit with the way that that things are being said. So they don't. So if it's translated like, you know, hi, how are you? But they only say one word, then they would have to say hi, even though the word translated is hi, how are you? It's how it's being perceived as well, which is why they do change a lot of things around. They're trying to fill in the film space that's focused on the individual character. Uh, I'm wondering if we'll see in the future, especially with computer animated as opposed to hand-drawn, dub translations that also change the mouth itself. So it's specific animations for the region that it's going to be released in. Because if you have a character model, you have all your backgrounds and stuff like that, you have all that information... It, I mean, I, I'm obviously not an animator, and I'm sure it's a huge undertaking just to change like the actual mouth animations for the words, but I wonder if they, they have done that in any shows or if they would do that. Well, actually, something genuinely pretty interesting, it was in Cyberpunk, they had this new technology for the automated mouth animations that was trying to clean it up between different languages and if i'm not mistaken i could be totally wrong i think it's the japanese that they don't have a lot of expression in their facial expressions physically when they are speaking comparative to other people and that definitely comes out in the automated voice or voice animations in the game so they purposely did it so it's like we don't want it to be standardized throughout all these animations so if we put in this key point this is the Japanese dub over. Um, the animations are no longer going to express the face as like crazy, I guess, as an American would, which I find super interesting. And it also keeps that particular region engaged because they don't feel disconnect between the characters that way. Yeah. And that's fun. But I think the difference between an animated series and a video game is that the video game graphics are all programmed, whereas a lot of the animated stuff is well, animated. It's it's pictures, a series of pictures altogether, which there can be, you know, programs with which to organize those pictures. But I think that's probably why it is kind of different in that sense. So it would be interesting to see a way to I guess it would just be a lot more facial expressions and features and, you know, mouth features that would have to be drawn on then added in or something. Yeah, I mean, it it would be work. Well, okay. so for my limited knowledge, you take and create a model and then you create a series of actions and render it, basically. So what they could do is take the raw data, possibly again, speculation and then render it for one language and also render it for another language if they are specifically going for a multi-language audience. True. You know, that might not be the case. I know a, a lot of anime stuff has found a big audience in the Western world, so to speak, and across the world in general. 
But was it originally intended for that like audience? Probably not. It's probably intended more for like their localized audience, but it's just become so popular that, yeah, okay, now it's this extra thing. We'll just dub or sub over it. I think it's also, it's a way to peer into other cultures without the other cultures. Influence? Yeah. Without like them putting an American influence on us. Like we can see what their intention is for their people and then we can consume that and kind of get a glimpse into the world very briefly, but just enough to be like, oh, this is what you consume. Like, this is interesting, I guess. So I'm slightly, again, wondering if the idea in JoJo of them explaining exactly what they're feeling at any moment does resonate because maybe they don't see something like that a lot. Maybe they are, are very much like a, maybe like the people who enjoy anime don't see a character really expressing their feelings in that sort of level again not an expert with it so i don't actually know but maybe it is something that resonates with that audience it may be because like that i guess it's not a perspective i ever looked at before and if that is the case maybe i need to go rewatch it and like try to gather it from that perspective too because then maybe i i, I get something else from the show that i would never have before because i was going on in it with my predetermined views on how i feel characters should be developed rather than with an open mind so yeah well that's interesting i I think you can also you know i'm very much a show me as opposed to tell me sort of person i really like that show me aspect Um, oh so you're a sub man yourself sure (laughs) subtitle i know never mind okay i i terrible joke moving on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, and I, in character development i very much like when they don't say like this character's a bad person they killed a million people and you're like whoa and when they just show the person killing a million people you know it's a bad example but you get the idea it makes it so much yeah. more impactful seeing what they did and seeing how they developed to me personally so i understand preference is totally a thing there but i'm just you know curious about the um the audience that enjoys that and why they enjoy yeah, it. I'm just it's audience. something I'm curious about. Honestly, a really good thought. So, what about uh, other deal breakers? Does anyone have another one? I can go. No one else has anything. Anybody? anybody sure, I'll, I'll go. go. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, uh, you know, I just want to, you know, if you want to go, you go. I just, if you don't have anything, no, go. then I got something lined up. You know, that's all I'm saying. I'm an equal opportunist. That's, it was just, but it was just funny. I am funny. Thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right now. Okay. Well, for me, when I am reading a story, I like a lot of fiction and fantasy, but a lot of this stuff takes place in like our nowadays world. And I don't necessarily mind those stories, but I think the the kind of deal breaker for me is when an author focuses more on the material world than their world that they're creating where they're so into describing what the person's wearing and it has all of these like name brand fashion brands added to it i just think that that pulls you out of a story at least it pulls me out of a story really quickly because it's like i i don't care that they're wearing gucci or whatever like i don't i don't care i just want magic and stuff like i don't care about that and i know that there's probably a lot of people that enjoy that kind of thing or when you know they're going to a ball and they have to go and go dress shopping and they go to all of these like big name brand dress places it's like i i that it's almost really cringy to me or when people describe like the kind of car somebody's driving in a book i i also i don't know 
I you can take the name brands out of it. It doesn't matter. You can be like, oh, sleek new car. Sure, why not? But I don't need to know the specs of a car within a fantasy book. That's totally fine. You can leave that out. So a lot of times for me, that's that's like the the kind of the deal breakers. It just, I don't know, it makes it seem really cringy. And I already know that what I'm reading is probably going to be cringy anyways. So I don't need more cringe added to the cringe. <laughs> I, I can kind of agree with that. Uh, one of my favorite book series that I, I read because of the, the mystery aspect of it was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And the author does a great job of getting you really, really interested in some sort of things. It poses a bunch of questions, answers only a couple of them, and then poses more. But there's a specific spot in a couple of the books where the author goes like full on nerdy about technology, specifically like Elizabeth Slander is the main character and she's one of the main characters and she has a laptop and it's, he's talking about like she went in and bought the MacBook with the Pentium 2 processor and she sprung for the two gigabytes of RAM because of how fast it was. And you're just going like, you know, especially if you read it way after, if you read it right then, it would feel very realistic. Like, oh, okay, this girl really needs her hacking laptop. Yeah. But you you read it, you know, a decade later and you're going, this, this is kind of weird. I know it puts you in the time period that it was written about, but it just, it's, it took me out of that moment. It wasn't a deal breaker, but I can see how that could be focusing on the material world as opposed to the story. Well, I I also, in general, when I'm reading fantasy, I don't really want my fantasy to be in my nowadays world. Like, it's fun if it's like starts in my nowadays world and then you're pulled out of, out of it into like another dimension or like the fairy world or whatever. But when it's mainly based in our world, I don't care because that's the whole point of me wanting to read a fantasy book because I want to be pulled out of our world. So when you're kind of thrust back in and then you get these weird ad placements for things that they're not even being sponsored from, it's it's just, it uh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. So are you saying you don't like those ties to actual reality? It's less like, yeah. it's more like having something that would bring you out like saying someone, I love Coca-Cola. And you're like, you, you, you're fighting a dragon what is happening huh yeah yes yeah you're like why why the weird product placement like that's so strange it's like yeah but they really love coca-cola it's like who cares get back to the dragon <laughs> like i don't know there's way more important things happening in this world than what shoes you're wearing or what your favorite you know fast food is like i don't care and for me I, yeah that's just my deal breaker Maybe it tries to get you to understand or relate to a character a little bit and gives them more realistic footing, I guess. Like, I'm trying to think oh, of shit. I love Coke, too. Yeah. yeah, I can totally relate to this person who's, you know, the firstborn dragon of our nation after five million years. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting really sick of all the chocolate and candy in Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory it was just it was everywhere i didn't care that the kids like candy <laughs> but it's an integral part of their backstory mike yeah. well see that that actually did service obviously you know it was i like when they make up things where they're like oh you know our favorite our favorite soda is uncle pops or something you know something weird like okay that's fine because you're creating your own brand it doesn't matter it can be like a fun like oh don't make sure you don't leave without your pops your uncle pops or whatever you can create a fun moment by creating your own brand and i think that's fun plus like i like when going back to the outfits specifically i like when you're describing an outfit and it is 
oh, this is a designer that came far across the seas and and she actually imbued it with like air magic or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I think it's that's way more fun to me than like she went to Vera Bradley and got a brand new purse. Like, I don't care. I don't know. Anyways, moving on for me. Sorry. I'm on this too much. Well, actually, I, was, I, I guess I'm just more the reason why I, I keep questioning you is I'm more interested. Is it like if someone, for example, were to mention that they loved like fast food or whatever, and it was a, a realistic book or whatever they were reading they mentioned they love fast food would it be more of a turnoff that they said they loved mcdonald's or would it just be the exact same turnoff if they said they love fast food if you know what i'm saying i think if they specifically were like i love mcdonald's i'm like i don't i don't care okay it's really just like about real life like ties that you can be like i know that specific product why are you mentioning it in this book? I don't care about your vans and your skateboard. Why are you talking about it? Stop. Yeah. Because okay. I, I think yeah. it, it pulls you out of the fact that you're supposed to be disconnecting from your real life. And yeah. it pulls you right back into your real life. And you're like, yeah, okay. Okay. Sure. Why not? Interesting. I'll say one of the things that I recently, I think, discussed this with you guys. Uh, one of the things that is a quick turnoff for me, especially nowadays, is production quality. If it's very poor production quality, it's very difficult for me to get into it unless it's a niche subject that I actually really enjoy. So my example of this was Amy and Tommy have been talking about critical role for too much <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> well, it's crazy. I've never said critical role. I've, no, I've never heard of it. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> And I've I've been I've always been interested. I like you know improv. I like D and D. I like this sort of fantasy idea of it. So I've I've been interested. Finished up some stuff, and I said, you know what? Let me try Critical Role. I'll see what they're all about. So what I do when I do most things is I start at the very beginning, and I started at their campaign one, and I made it about ten or fifteen minutes into campaign one before I was like, I can't do this. And switched right over to campaign two, and immediately I was going, Yeah, this is this is much better. And it was just the production quality alone. I understand that for them, they started off as, you know, a hobby and just decided to record it and put it on there. But then the production quality in their second campaign, and it might have actually improved in the first campaign. You can tell me whether or not it does, but it was so, yeah, it was so off-putting that, you know, it was hard to hear. It was not great camera quality. You know, it just it was a little bit lower, but the second campaign, all of a sudden they have better microphones, they have better cameras, they've got a nicer looking setup. And to me, I can look at like a YouTube video or any kind of company and I will get more out of a video if I'm not trying to nitpick the production quality. If I'm just like, oh, okay, I, I get this is like decent production quality. Let's just focus on the content of it. So I think production quality is is a really important one for me, but it also can be something that people think about if they are trying to grow a business or write more stuff. If they can always improve their production quality, they will cast a larger net in general. And more people like me will probably be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at it. The really difficult part is that because nowadays there is so much media to choose from and there's so much great content out there that why would I want to stick with something that's a lower production quality unless I really, mm. really am interested in that specific subject? And I, I think that's a, I do believe it is a barrier to entry for a lot of people nowadays, but I could be wrong about that. No, I, I mean, I totally understand that. I think that when you are consuming media nowadays, you're right. There's so much media out there that is such high quality that it's like, 
when you want to go back to something from the 80s, from the 70s, and like the CGI is terrible, and you're like, oh, this is just awful. Like, I understand it's the technology that they had that at the time to make it, but it, it almost turns you off from the story itself because you're like, ah, this is so bad. I know it was great then, but it is so bad right now when you're like, okay, yeah, why would I watch? the old Terminator or whatever and wonky CGI when I could watch a new Terminator and it might be not that great of a storyline compared to the old one, but it's got better CGI. Because the story's better. Well, yeah, no, true, true. The story is better. I, I, I totally agree with that. I think that there are some things that I've definitely watched where I love the storyline way more in like the older versions, but I also grew up, like we didn't really grow up with cartoons on Saturday morning. We grew up watching movies <laughs> like we would go through all of mom and dad's like movie collection and that was like our saturday morning cartoon so i'm i'm used to them now but if someone were to go back in and say hey watch this movie it's from the 80s i'd probably be like no thank you just because i know the production quality is a lot less than i want is it specifically <laughs> the, no i'm trying to figure out know. what what is less because i i i my instinct is to disagree, but now I'm trying to figure out what exactly the production quality is. It really the the graphics and the the special effects is that the main thing that you feel is less. I would say not necessarily like the CGI or or anything. I think it's the the lighting in particular. I find a lot of the lighting in older movies really irks me for some reason. I don't know why. And so if if there's like a movie that is lit like it's from the 70s or 80s or you know early 90s that i'm just like it's kind of grainy feeling and and whether that's supposed to be the vibe of the movie itself or it's just the way movies were filmed to me it, it's like i don't know i mean it could be natural film grain that you're uh, true, i was going to say absolutely. i wonder if it's like actual film that you do not like well, I, I will say this, and Mike, I know you love Breaking Bad, and you tried to get me to watch it, and I watched the first episode, and I hated it. Not, I couldn't get past the way it was lit, and the lighting, I think, was a big issue for me. I don't know why, but it was the, the way that it was lit, it just made me want to throw up, and I couldn't get past the first episode. I watched the first episode, and I was like, I don't want to watch the rest of it, because I had seen scenes from the other seasons where it was the same kind of lighting, and I just really didn't enjoy it. And I find that with a lot of older movies, it's that same feeling of like this lighting. I don't know. It makes me like anxious or something. <laughs> Maybe I'm like mentally broken. It's because I'm so old. I guess, you know, me defining production <laughs> quality is that care and craft went into the making of it, where you can okay, tell. Sorry, I'm no, 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 no. I mean, th that's not a problem. It's actually interesting to hear that lighting can really affect your your ability to view something, or at least cinematography in general. I guess for, for me, I guess the the idea is if it is produced enough where you can tell that somebody took time and effort to make something, that makes it more enjoyable to me as opposed to kind of being thrown together. But I I do also get that you know if you if you watch a movie that's supposed to be just really fantastic, but the audio is terrible, it's, I just can't do it sort of thing. You know, a lot of black and white films, they have some amazing, amazing stories in some of them. You know, if you've, if you've never watched a film like 12 Angry Men, it is a, just a fantastic film. And it is really just a stage play that's been filmed, but it's in black and white. So for the longest time, 
I didn't do it. I didn't watch it until I was sat down and watched it and I was blown away by it. And I, I definitely think, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It, nowadays, if I have this time available and there's so much quality content out there, why would I go back and watch a black and white film? Well, maybe it's to understand the craft back then. It's ha- how it's inv- evolved and stuff. But it's interesting that lighting could be a, a barrier for you. Yeah. Missy Eileen, what about you guys? For me, it's the quality of the story. I don't like stuff that's dumbed down. I like clever, not just clever writing, but clever plot. So like dumb comedies are probably my number one. I'm so not interested. There's nothing entertaining about it for me. Where it's like that Can crude you like humor. Give an example of like a dumb comedy that you're like, nope. Uh, like all of the anything Will Ferrell. Does. Uh, yeah, Will Ferrell, <gasps> perfect example. His stuff <laughs> is example. almost exclusively, not all of it, but almost exclusively dumb humor. And even when he tries to be clever, it's just dumb. There's like no brain cells required for entertainment, and it's not entertaining to me. Romance, if the main point of a story is romance sorry amy it's not a job that's fine (laughs) if the main point of the story is romance i'm not interested i find that really boring if a story has romance in it that's fine because it's not like the direction of the story it's just something that happens but romance i find to be boring i'm not really big on teen stuff and it probably has she got a whole list of them. Well, teen Let's stuff go. It usually like revolves <laughs> no, around no, was... dumb drama and dumb romance. Yeah. Like we don't know how romance works and we don't know what real drama is. So it's like the worst of both of those things combined. It was it's almost like invincible, you know? Just what a <laughs> I knew I was gonna come up. <laughs> yeah, it, okay, <laughs> invincible is very divided on because on yeah. the one hand it had it's a lot okay. of really unique aspects to the superhero genre yeah it had that dark comedy to it which i really like dark comedy but it's usually very clever but then uh, it would flip and all of a sudden the next scene you're back in that stupid teen drama and i was just like can we fast forward this like i'm gonna so i can get to the real kill story the TV. <laughs> yeah and then do you like oh, oh sorry go ahead I was just going to say, do you like, like, if there's a cleverly crude humor in a story, do you like that? Or is it just like, if it's crude kind of at all, you're like, no, I'm out. I'm generally not huge on crude stuff, but if it's done in a very clever way, then yeah. Like Mel Brooks? Do you like Mel Brooks stuff? (laughs) It's been a long time since I've seen a lot of his older stuff. And I, going back and having watched some of it, I realized how horrifically racially insensitive so much of it was that i didn't know as a kid if it's very sarcastic or just well thought out then if it makes me stop and think and then i laugh about it then yeah i'm fine with it usually i'm not huge on crude humor though like there's so much other stuff out there you can find funny you don't necessarily have to jump to the dick jokes like we get it Dicks and farts are funny. Okay, move on. You don't have America. to write a whole show to convince okay. me that that stuff is funny. Like, and I guess from a yeah. production quality, I I don't mind really kind of crappy production as long as the story is really good. I will go back and watch all that old stuff that has a good story to it as long as it's again like clever and smart. When there isn't really much substance to the story, I'm not really interested. 
The thing that really bothers me is the shaky camera thing. Like, I'm the camera guy bouncing around following the characters. Please put your camera up on whatever the equipment is and make it smooth. Because <laughs> the bounciness drives me absolutely insane. Sometimes it's just obnoxious and sometimes I can't actually visually watch it because I'm getting nauseous. I get yeah. vertigo like watching very I, The Born series. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I would definitely put quick cuts and shaky cam under poor production, personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't find much value in it i know it's yeah. supposed to heighten an action experience because you're more in it but to me i just i'm i go what's going on it I, pulls it, me out of the immersion because i notice yeah. that it's a filming event yep when things are smooth i forget i'm watching something well shaky cam has its beautiful purposes i mean it's used like yeah, earthquakes all the time in star trek yeah it's a little <laughs> different because the, the actors are moving with the camera <laughs> no, yeah. No, that's what I was going to say is <laughs> yeah. that like that is where it's properly yeah, used. I, I don't know. A little agree. side note. Have you ever seen have you ever seen that where it's like stabilized? Yeah. Oh, it's great. And the everybody's shaking shaking stabilized and bouncing in different act. ways. They're all <laughs> bouncing to the so left. Funny. Now bounce awesome. to the right. It's like they're yeah. doing a dance. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. It's, yeah. you know, it's a sci-fi where they have to do camera tricks to make up for the lack of ability to actually move the set, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it makes total yeah. sense. And I'm I'm fine with that because it doesn't pull me out of my immersion. You know, the ship of, just got fired on. Yeah. Everything's moving. That makes sense. That the f- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the camera, but the camera's yeah. only moving for a few seconds. It's not an entire episode where it's just shaky camera the whole time. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the Kingsman, Missy? Mm, I don't think so. Side note, I haven't either, but I've seen a lot of clips <laughs> from it, okay? <laughs> I'm just, yeah, ruined. Okay, good. I haven't, oh, okay. I haven't either, but you have seen a lot of clips from it, and the way it's filmed, it's very particular. They use the camera as an audience member that's participating in the fight. Mm. So it's not shaky cam necessarily, it's just very odd camera movements like for example there's a fight scene where he flips a guy over a table the table goes a full or the guy goes full 360 and the camera instead of going from the left to right is fully stabilized on the guy so he's turning in a 360 degree motion with the guy as he's flipping so you feel like you're part of that and i'd honestly love to see how you would feel about that i've seen so many clips and i want to watch the movie because it's a very unique way to shoot live action it, film. It has very good action sequences. I've that seen sounds it. really yeah. amazing. I just don't know if I could physically handle it. I get, I, it's I can not get shaky. It's, not like, it's like smooth. Yeah, but I can it's get vertigo like reading constantly spinning a but. document online. Like I get horrific vertigo. Oh, okay. I have since I was a kid. So, and the whole room will spin for a long time. All it takes is one eye focusing on something just at the wrong moment that the other eye is and boom that's it there's this disconnect and my brain just can't focus properly so uh, i will say another because you're getting old <laughs> no i had it since i was a kid no, thinking guess, of your uh, okay. your shaky cam thing watching casino royale was great awesome bond movie experience for me because it was oh, a yeah. cool story it wasn't mm-hmm. over the top action it was good it's follow-up Quantum Solace. Yeah. I've not seen it. Beginning. I saw the first like five minutes with you actually, Mike, and we both were like, nope, yeah, not happening. Just, we're out. It's so many shaky cam, and especially the big problem with that is quick cuts. I, mm-hmm. I got so confused in the first fight 
And I had to watch it multiple times to try and understand exactly what was going on because of how yeah. many cuts from different angles and stuff it was. And I'm sure that there's some, you know, Adderall cocained out editor who's like, this is the greatest thing ever. Look at this. <laughs> you know, not well, the editor who did it, but some other motion. editor who is Adderall and cocained out. They were like, mm-hmm. I, lo- I love the work he did editing that. But yeah. Well, I, I, I feel like a lot of times what it is with quick cuts this has to do a lot with just production all around them. And that's because, for example, what makes a really good fight scene is actually seeing hits connect. When you're seeing a hit connects, it sells that fight scene so much more. But sometimes quick cuts exist because a hit didn't actually necessarily connect. And when you see it, you're like, oh, that punch went wide and it takes you out of that. And then furthermore, it's like, well, you're oh, that's on the stunt crew. The stunt crew didn't have time to plan the fight or whatever, so they had to like pull those punches. So it's like, I think quick cuts, I don't like them. I really don't. But I think they have their unique purpose. Specifically, they're really good for selling punches when you can't sell them otherwise. And then... So selling yeah, really, you lies. Yeah, that's it. Used, selling you lies, yeah, they're selling you lies. Use sparingly, not for an entire yes, sequence. That's, I think... Yeah. That's yeah, it's like, yeah. like uh, what was it? Liam Neeson jumping over <laughs> yeah. a fence in Taken Three. It was like a five, yeah, five second sequence that was thirteen or fourteen cuts. Yeah, for just a fence. It was for a fence. Yeah, I have not. Seen you that really need to get up that. Fence no, it's a, it's a, it's a great clip. It. You can look up just sold it. on YouTube of <laughs> the amount of cuts that went into him jumping over a fence in Taken Three uh, or two, whatever. I think it was three. You know. Another thing that I have a hard time dealing with, and I did this when I was uh, trying to read Dune, is words. Reading words that I don't know how to pronounce. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. So I stopped reading Dune within the first five pages or so because there was so many unique terms and mm-hmm. so many different things. I didn't know how to pronounce them out. And when I got went back to reading the same word again, I was like, wait, what is this? What is going on here? What is going on there? It was a, and it's probably just my dumb reader brain because I, you know, I'm not great at reading. I, I like taking in books audibly as opposed to, you know, reading them Visually. because I just learn better that way. But yeah, I don't know. There was something about it where I struggled and then I felt stupid and then it, it kind of made me feel like I didn't know what was going on. And I just had to work extra hard to try and figure out where I was in the story, it just kept pulling me out to the point where I went, I'm out, I'm done. It breaks your immersion from the story. If your book needs a dictionary to go with it, you've messed up somewhere. Looking at you, Tolkien. Look at, I was about to say that! (laughs) I was gonna Uh. say, it is kind of nice in some instances, at least I feel like that, where if you have like a language that you're creating and it's not necessarily super prevalent, but it's it's kind of peppered throughout. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. But when you're constantly like, wait, I have to look at the, okay. Oh when yeah, that's the, every okay, that's the word. Then you're like, okay, all right. I think I'm done here. <laughs> that's why. Also maybe, looking at you, Christopher Paolini. Maybe reading that on like a Kindle token. or Nook or something like that would be, is Nook even a oh. thing? Because then you could just like press and do the definition. Maybe they have built in like versions of that for your, mm. I actually don't know if that's a thing. It probably is. So, so I, yeah, it is. It, you, you, um, for sorry, I get you off. But uh, when I'm reading my my Kindle on my phone, you can hold down a word and it will 
it's sometimes it'll pop up like with the definition, but sometimes you can just like click it, define. It, and yeah, it'll show but you, specifically, which is I really mean nice. fantasy words that the author has oh, created. Words. Oh, so if it's I unique to that book, yeah, and I'm sure there's some book that does it out there. And if you're reading on a Kindle and you're like, okay, what was the Cuisinot? Like, I don't understand with Dune. You do like <laughs> press and hold and you go, oh, it's this thing. And you just get a quick description of it. Now, obviously, Dune That's is a good very idea. popular series. And take a less popular series. Does an author have to then go in and create a dictionary for the unique words in the book that aren't there originally for a Kindle? I don't know. Pro- probably because mm-hmm. it's usually the dictionary is usually generated by like google or something when you're reading yeah. with kindle mm-hmm. i i will say for me i'm terrible also at the english language so when reading books that i don't know how to pronounce words that are just like not even fantasy words but just like basic words and i'm like yeah i pronounced it this way this whole time in my head or like names or whatever you're like yeah it's this way and then i'll go back and listen to the audiobook and i'm like oh <laughs> shit excuse me what was that (laughs) how did you pronounce that and sometimes it's weird because especially like books that i love and i've read a bunch to then listen to them audibly said you're kind of like nah no it doesn't fit that's no that's it doesn't fit because it's so like ingrained in your brain how you have said it and it's also fun when you're listening to a multiple part series that's actually narrated by multiple people and they all pronounce them different (laughs) and you're like i don't know what's real anymore (laughs) similar but I'm going to sidetrack. That reminds me of this one time I was in a Sunday school class at church and we we're reading something in the Old Testament that goes through like oh, all the tribes of Israel. Oh boy. And everyone's <laughs> going around the table reading a different verse and listening to how everybody around that table pronounced all the tribes of Israel. And in my brain, I'm going, that's not how that, how that can't. No, that's not how that's pronounced. Oh, no, you, you you missed that one. Like, but some of it was, oh, everyone agreed that's how it's pronounced. And I never thought of it being pronounced that way. But yeah, that hmm. it's interesting how even in a book that's been around for thousands of years, like people still hear the words differently from how they're said by I will say that's probably the most nerve wracking thing about Sunday school and school in general, (laughs) like in English class when they're like, all right, we're going to go around and everyone can read a little different part. I I couldn't intake anything anybody else was saying because I was just practicing what Mm -hmm. I was supposed to read like 20 times. I would count ahead everyone in the room. I would still fuck it up. I would still mess it up. And I'm like, no. I don't know if I ever told you guys this. I'd already like moved out. I had such a fear of that for the longest time of sight reading and, you know, specifically because of things like that where i'd mess up words and get embarrassed in front of classes that i just refused to read out loud at all and i mm. had a girlfriend and we were hiking someplace and there was a sign and I, she found out somehow and she was like i'll read a sentence you read a sentence she was all excited about it and i was like no 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 no, no. and i i almost had a breakdown because i was going oh my god i have to face this fear she's gonna make me do this i don't like this and it was like such a struggle and i felt so embarrassed by doing it and for some reason somebody forcing me to do it was like okay i need to get better at this because i don't want that to happen again in the future i thought i could avoid it but no now somebody is putting me in the spot that you know i was like okay no i must conquer this so Maybe it's not a bad idea to get it yelled at you, but probably not in front of class or teacher. Yeah, it's not so bad, though, when it's just a one-on-one versus you in front of an entire class. Yes. And it's even worse when it's you in front of an entire group of religious people who all are like, I am (laughs) holier than you because I can pronounce this. You don't know. Yeah, you don't know how to pronounce this. Clearly, you don't love God as much as I do. And you're like, oh, 
Uh, I'm just an idiot. For me, actually, I kind of I, public performances have never really been a problem for me. Messing up with public performances are bad, but to me, that individual was so much worse because it was mm. somebody I very much cared for, and I didn't want to look stupid in front of them. Interesting. So that was that Fair was enough. really really embarrassing for me, but it taught me to change. Although judgy people telling you, "Oh, you didn't read that Bible verse, right?" Is I can. I can get yeah. that as a kid. I probably would have been like, no, I'm sorry. I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Missy, what, um, how long wait, does it on, wait, take you? Wait, hold that thought. Cause Tommy has been trying to say his thought oh. for a while now. I was going to say, I had, I had a very different experience reading than you guys. I love it when I can't pronounce a word or when I don't know what a word is, because this gives me an opportunity to look up this word, learn it, and then try to use it in my vocabulary. Now, Dune's a different story because it can't use any of those freaking words my vocab. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but, it, I mean, when you take out all of the lore in Dune, it's actually a pretty simple read. Yeah. But I, I think specifically it is that lore, that unique language that I yes. was talking about. Yeah. It, yes, exactly. The unique language, although is annoying at times, and I think it's different from my perspective. I don't, I think you read the book before you saw either of the movies, right? Yes, Mike? Yeah. For me, I saw the new one and I immediately started reading the book. And I think that helped me because I already had a predetermined way of how people were saying it. But oh. a lot of extra lore comes up as well, like lore words. And it still intrigues me because I'm like, well, what does this mean? And you'll see it pop up more and more. And you're like, oh, OK, I'm getting I'm understanding what this means now. But yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, Tommy, what I do agree with you on that when it's not a lore word. I it's frustrating when a book is riddled with words that are unique to that book, that world that's yeah. been built. But yep. when it's a word that I, I either have never heard before or something I've heard, but I'm not quite sure what it means. Like I get excited looking up new words because I get to learn something new. So I, I'm totally nice. with you on that. I always yeah, have my cell I... phone there when I'm watching something or reading oh, something, yeah, like <laughs> looking up words and stuff. Yeah, per perhaps it was old. it was my very poor explanation. That's actually exactly what I meant. I do like new words. Mm -hmm. I just hate fantasy words that uh, you know are are a stretch for me to understand. Mm -hmm. Do you think? Because I, I I like fantasy words, but do you think them being sparsed out so you're dealt a, another fantasy word every once in a while is way better? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, because I, I love those them. new weird yeah, words yeah. that they have. It's like for the first things. chapter, you're like, are they speaking a different language? I don't understand Memorize all these things. I know all of us are gonna understand this, but Mike, but the um the uh, Triforce podcast, what's his name? Pyrian with yeah. his book, Blar. What is it called? Bodega. Bodega. Yeah. Bodega. Well, was it just so, called Bodega, or was it called something else? It was I think it was just called Bodega. Yeah. Essentially, Mike, what it was is. They were talking about how whenever they were reading or watching any like sci-fi esque piece of media, there would just be just a jumble of stupid words that they never understood. And they're like, why is this a thing? So Pyrian instead made that the shtick of this book, and that's all it was, is it was just like half of it was English and the other half was just stupid like sci-fi words that made no sense <laughs> but it was really funny and it ended up being really really good <laughs> like legitimately an awesome piece of of written work he wrote a series of short stories in this sci-fi universe about 
a character named Bodega traveling through the stars. He's like a space pirate traveling yeah, through the called, stars and having crazy adventures. And it's called Bodega Tales from the Bodega Verse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's great. Uh, uh, the stories are so good, though. Yeah, surprisingly, I I do. I would like to ask this question because. Well, first, I want to ask Liam the previous question, but I really want to know what the exception to this rule is. Like, for everyone, is there a particular show or piece of media that these red flags are 100% in, yet you stuck through all the way? Think about it, because I want to come back to it, because I want Liam to speak. I have one right off the top of my head. It's like, just hold, 100. Hold, hold it, hold it. No, put it in your head. Hold that in your head. Put it in your head. Hold it. And don't let it go. Liam, so, okay, so, Liam, what about you? What is your red flags when it comes to media? Or not red flags, but deal breakers. I've been waiting all this time. All right. Where He's do like, I even begin? ready to go. Sorry. There's a lot for me. I probably, out of quality, I probably have, like, the highest bar of of watching out of everybody here. I like good quality only. I can't handle bad quality. I know a lot of people can make fun of bad quality. Me, I just cringe at it. A big thing that this whole family really seems to love that I've never understood is cheesiness. Cheesiness. Have you met literally any of us? We're all so cheesy. Cheesiness. I can't handle cheesiness. Like, can you I, give us an people, example? Yeah. Uh, Sorry to put you on the spot. Are you talking with like comedy or... Are you talking about seriousness, like what, or all of the above? You mean like campiness of Star Trek, for example? Well, there's a difference. I feel like between campiness and cheesiness, like I don't, I don't know. It's hard to explain because, like, I know a lot of people here. They get a kick out of watching something that's really bad, or they'll watch something that they that they will laugh at or enjoy. Well, after a bit of time for me, it was just, I can't, I can't laugh at it anymore. It, it just becomes boring or repetitive. I remember when Tommy, it was either Thanksgiving or in the oh, spring, say it. we watched say the it. movie. Please say, say it. Called Velocipaster. That was an amazing movie. It was so <laughs> terrible. It was amazing. I, so everybody was laughing the whole time. And I just didn't understand. There was one or two good jokes, maybe. But the whole time, I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand how people could enjoy this. I understand the point was to make something that's bad. It wasn't supposed to be good. We were laughing at but how I terrible couldn't... it was. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. We were laughing at how fantastic it was or how funny yeah, it was. Yeah, no, no, no. But I can't laugh. I yeah. can't laugh at something oh, how bad, bad something funny. is. I can just take it in as it's bad. It's not. It's a bad piece of media that I'm consuming. And I just. Fair point. I've never understood why so many people really enjoy it and i understand like you can get some laughs out you get some kicks out of it but after a bit it's just continuously being bad and i'm like okay that was bad i think it's you don't expect that it can get even worse than what you've already <laughs> seen and then it gets worse in like a terrible way and it's just so funny like when he transforms into the full <laughs> dinosaur, and it's like one of those blow-up costumes, and he's like, ah, and he's like the same height as everybody else, but he's supposed to be this like monstrous badass dinosaur. It's so stupid. It's so bad. I like how they're just ninjas for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Where did they come from? He was uh, the whole movie. 
called Velocipaster. He became a Velociraptor once. <laughs> the very end. I know, that's what makes it even funnier. <laughs> he was struggling with religion the whole time. It's a movie about struggling with religion. And then at the end, he becomes a Velociraptor and starts fighting fucking ninjas. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> that right there? That's why it sold me. Let's watch it. <laughs> Uh, at least for me personally, I'm not. I don't want to make your opinion about Liam. No, no. When you I, have I do a title that. named Velocipaster, <laughs> you have instantaneously sold me. That is a shitty pun. It's a dumb combination of things. I want it in my life. And the first joke that I remember seeing is the him seeing his parents die, and it says, "Please add car fire VFX right <laughs> yeah. over the car." That was the funny, and I was sold from there on out. I was like, I need to watch this movie the whole way through. I was laughing so hard I I cut my oxygen off and started blacking out. That's how (laughs) funny and stupid it was. So bad. I there's just cheesy things that yes, no, I I I do get. I can't. You can't. I just can't. I can't. You're a very serious man, is what you're saying, right? It's not just serious. I can can enjoy a few not serious things, but like... I think part of it, if we had watched that by ourselves individually, it would have been like, what is this crap? But because we were watching it as a group and laughing with each other, it was experienced together. That's that's what made it. I think multiple of us were drinking as well, which also made it great. (laughs) Not saying that, that you have to drink in order to enjoy a terrible water. movie. But it probably contributed. Yes, yeah. Anyways, now, Tommy, what was your question? Well, no. You- no, no, no. I, I want to further go into what it's pr- like. B-movies are just a turnoff for you because they're just so bad. Except for what the else? B-movie. No. What no, else? that is a fire. No, movie. that's a hard <laughs> that pass is- for me. No beat. <laughs> No, the B movie. Now we're talking about a well-made movie. <laughs> no, Jeez, no, no, no. <laughs> it's so weird and out of pocket that you just—it's like, how do you fall in love with a bee? <laughs> yes, that's what I want to know. How do people like bees? <laughs> that bump that to anyway. the top so of my cute. list. It's just a different type of cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, was there anything else besides like the cheesiness that you—that's like a deal breaker for you? Well, if if a certain area lacks too much in making of a certain media, then it is somewhat of a deal breaker. Now, I think Tommy was trying to get it earlier, is what I mentioned before the podcast, was Game of Thrones Season 7. Game of Thrones Season 7, for me, was the height of many aspects of Game of Thrones, where I think it was at its best when it came to cinematography, costume production, just a lot of different things. Maybe not music, but it was definitely up there. But another, something that obviously dragged it down for almost all fans was writing and storytelling. But the story, yeah, could have been better, but it wasn't all that bad. It was definitely the writing that made it a lot worse. But for me, season seven wasn't, it was definitely worse than a majority of the seasons, but it wasn't as bad because there's so many other aspects that were heightening it for me that I feel like a lot of people when intake a lot of your normal casual viewers when intake they'll intake the action the story and like the writing and like what their favorite character is doing but there's a lot of other things when it comes to production that i really enjoyed out of season seven that i think a lot of people didn't really get well but i will say you were already in the middle of 
a story. So it wasn't necessarily a well, deal breaker because you still finished the whole series, correct? Yeah. It, well, I was saying as more of an exception, it wasn't really a deal breaker, even though usually if a story or a writing started getting really bad like it was, it would usually be a deal breaker. And oh, okay. I so would just be out of clock out on a show. Though I would still finish it, but the whole time I just wouldn't pay attention to it. Because if I start something, I have to finish it. It basically had deal-breaking elements, but it had more redeemable elements that you continued to look past those deal-breakers. Yes, I think a lot of people, like I said, I think a lot of casual viewers didn't really see those. They just saw how shitty the show was becoming when Season 7 came out. So, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Now, that that rule does not apply to Season 8. Season 8 still about as shit as it gets but i think for season seven i i like it more than a couple other seasons not just season eight i like it more than a couple other seasons because there's so many elements about it especially cinematography i think it was by far the best some of the best cinematography i've ever seen Mm. was in that show or specifically that season and it really enheightened uh, my enjoyment of it well so then that kind of brings us into what Tommy was asking about where or what are some stories that we have where you have those deal breakers, but you still watch those stories. Did I say that right, Tommy? How did you explain it? Uh, It was. Oh, I think it was words. It was basically what are deal breakers that you've looked past because what are exceptions to the rule, essentially, that you can think of uh, that you're like, oh man, this, for example, for Mike, oh man, this production is so bad but I'm very interested in this niche subject, so I will continue to watch it. For me, it was the 100. It took me a long time to finally watch it because I was really hesitant because of the teen stuff and all the teen crap in there did drive me nuts. It it did kind of (laughs) slow down my watching and I definitely didn't like all the, the dumb teen drama. But thankfully that was mitigated at least in part by the fact that there was also adult storylines going as well and and then just other stuff going on and it was set in one of my favorite genres and a lot of other really clever things were going on around it to help me swallow the teen crap and thankfully you know they they kind of grew up with with it so it didn't they had to grow up really fast in in the series because of the nature of what was going on so they weren't teens for very long yeah, they had to make a lot of really hard decisions. Yeah, really fast. They had to deal with a lot of adult issues oh, really yeah. quickly. So the the teen crap was became very few and far between. So I was very grateful for that. If it had continued being just a teen show, I I probably would have quit. I think for me, if there's like a good love story, I'm like ah, screw it, I'm still in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm basic that way. <laughs> I'm like oh, this is so cringy, but the love is so real. So I'll keep watching or reading or listening or whatever. I think, because I don't mind quitting a show halfway through, i.e. Clone Wars. If it's getting really, really, really bad, I'm just like, yeah, no, this is wasting my time. I'm going to watch something else. But interestingly enough, this didn't happen with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think there were multiple things going on with it, because that is a bad show but man was it fun yes uh, and i think one of it was its loose ties to to the missy i'm gonna deafen you is that okay yeah, go ahead i was gonna say okay. uh missy does well, yeah, not like spoilers gonna, so yeah she knows i'm gonna say mcu but it was its loose ties to the mcu and then about uh, a little over halfway through they say nope this is no longer basically in the mcu 
like what was happening in the MCU, it there's a disconnect and they aren't affected by it whatsoever. Do you know what part I'm talking about? Yes. Thanos? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that was like a huge turnoff because it was like, there's no continuity. And the other turnoffs were like, some of the production quality was also kind of bad, the writing and the acting. But then over time, like acting and writing got slightly better in some aspects. And I was really just more in for it for the characters developing into newer people. Because it, same with the 100, the characters were always forced to make these decisions and they were consistently changing off of those decisions, or at least most of them were. And that's what made it interesting to me was continuous character development, whether it be positive or negative. And I really enjoyed that. I think that was that's just a factor that that held me through and through was just having continuous character development that made sense. But everything else, this should have been like a woo, woo red flag. <laughs> yeah, it's mine. I'm going to undefin her now. Hi. Hello. I, I'm really struggling to figure out something that I didn't abandon and come back to unless somebody was like, no, you have to stick with it. Trust me. You know, get through that first season or, you know, get past the first half hour of the movie or something like that. Whoever watched Deep Space Nine? No. That was something I watched the first. I had abandoned and then like everyone was like, if please just stick with it please yeah and that it's exactly it like i've heard deep space nine is some of the best star trek out there period mm -hmm. and i uh, the first season and a half is just a drag to get through all the characters are exactly the same they're just different species. yeah it, it didn't get its footing yet and for some reason i just i couldn't get it i i didn't i i still to this day i'm like i should probably go back and finish ds9 but i'm just going you know it's just it's one of those things where I just, I, it didn't catch my attention. Mm -hmm. I, you know what? I will say this books, books are the big thing that I give up on in general. If I don't get my attention caught within the first three or four pages, mm -hmm. it has to really, I have to like the writing style and I have to really enjoy what's going on. And there's only been a couple books where I've, I've kind of gotten interested afterwards and mostly they're nonfiction books. So it's it doesn't really i guess mold to the sort of fantasy or with books amy might understand but most people are gonna be like that's a stupid barrier i don't read paperbacks i want hardback if i can't get it in hardback i don't get it like i hate paperback books i i can't explain it they fold up they're difficult to hold you can hold a hardback so much easier and it just looks nice yeah. and it keeps its shape and its condition but paperbacks no nah, book's not like that <laughs> is there a piece of media that you guys think you're more lenient on than others sci-fi because i would say i'm more willing to try any video game out there than i am willing to watch tv show i'm more willing to to give something sci-fi a chance than okay, if it's okay. not sci-fi because it is my favorite, like, broad genre. Yeah. All right, this doesn't have to do with production quality, but you, you've, you finally, you triggered something for me, Tommy. <laughs> that I, 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 there was red flags, and I finally went for it after, on my third, like, attempt. And I was like, I'm never doing it after this. And it's The Witcher 3 video game. I oh. tried starting that so many times. I put, like, 10 hours into the start each time, the first two. And I was like, I just don't get this. I don't like it. It was not the style of gameplay, combat, you know, open world that I was expecting. 
And then on the third time, I because everybody's like game of the decade, one of the best games ever made for open world. And I'm going, really? I just I don't see how it's that case. I went back finally and said, you know what? I'm just going to play it as the game wants me to play it. Like not as I kind of want to see it. I want to see what systems they're trying to train me in and really open myself up for it. And there was a specific moment when I realized in the game, I thought that you had to go around and collect a massive amount of items to brew your potions and your oils and stuff like that. But you really only have to collect all those items once and then you permanently have that until you rest and then it just takes like one alcohol when you rest or one spirit and it restores that potion so it's it's like a permanent crafting and i was like that's a really clever system and as soon as i saw something clever in that game i just blew through the rest of it and put like 160 hours in it in like a month or two it was absolutely ridiculous so the witcher 3 there you go that's something that i despite red flags for some reason it, it was giving me red flags it finally came up and i was like yes i need to play this more I think I have to agree with Tommy. Video games are probably my one thing where whether there's a romance in it or not, I'm more likely to want to play it or to give it a chance, even if it's not necessarily a genre I like. Because if I start playing it and I'm having fun, then I'm hooked. Then, yeah, I'll continue playing it. And I, I find I give way more video games chances than books or or TV shows or movies because I feel like with them, you can see one episode and you're like, ah, I'm done. Even if it's like, oh, you know, you have to watch a few episodes in or if it's like a book where I, you know, read the like dust cover jacket short. Hey, this is what it's about. And I don't I'm not hooked just by that quick like description of what the book is about Then I, I don't you know, I don't want to read it. But whereas a video game, I'm like, this looks stupid. I've seen the trailers. I don't want to play it. And usually it's Tommy like, we should play it. I'm like, oh, and then I play it. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Right. So, yeah, I'd say probably video games definitely are are the, because. I feel like you experience more because you're not only watching something, but you are playing it. So you you have more of an experience with a video game than you necessarily do with these other pieces of media. At least that's you know my take on it. Could mm. part of it be because with video games, you're purchasing an individual video game. And so you feel almost compelled to keep trying it to get your money's worth out of it. Whereas like, Oh, I'm streaming. Oh, I don't pay for my show. video games. Uh, Tommy pays for all of my video games. So, so. you might feel no, compelled <laughs> to play <laughs> more to like make him not feel like he's wasting his money on you. So in the future, he will continue <laughs> to buy you video games. Um, yeah. yeah. But like you watch a Netflix show or something on TV and it's like, there's no financial loss if I just stop watching. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There, I guess there is a little more monetary. connection with video games yeah whereas it didn't used to be like that with like movies and stuff it's like you had to go to the theaters in order to watch it or you had to buy it on dvd or vhs Mm -hmm. or whatever in order to watch it but now it's like hey can i borrow your hbo login yeah sure here you go great i hated that i'm not finishing it (laughs) (laughs) i I think movies for me actually are the thing i i uh, allow a lot more of i will typically watch a movie till its end because i like watching how movies are uh, thinking about how movies are made, what kind of camera movements they use, their lighting, their stories, their music. There's so many elements that I can, if I'm not enjoying the actual production itself or the, you know, the, the movie itself, then I can go, well, they did this pretty good. Let me listen to that a little bit more. Let me watch this. So I'm very forgiving of them. There's also a time investment comparison. Like with a movie, you're oh, yeah. losing two, two and a half hours if you don't like it. 
with a TV show, you could be losing, you know, dozens or even hundreds of hours. And with a video game, you could be losing the rest of your life. So what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I it's all kind say, of relative. Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody's recommending a show and they're like, okay, the first season's terrible. And the second season is like mostly terrible. But when you get to the third season, the first half is so good. And the last half of it is like a little weird, but the fourth season is okay. I'm like, you're not selling this at all to me. And they're like, no, but it's just so good. You have to watch it. And I'm like, I, if I have to put myself through this struggle of multiple seasons of there being terrible points, then I, I don't want to do it. Specifically in that, in my this example, it's The Walking Dead. Everyone has basically said, like, <laughs> yeah, first season, second like, they've done that exact no, speech to me. And I'm like, good. I... The second season's I'm, good. And the third season's good. And the fourth season's oh, okay. good. And the fifth season's good. And the sixth season, you're like, what's happening? And the seventh season, you're like, okay, I'm going to stick with There's it. And seven the eighth season, you're like, oh, okay, this is getting I'll My be a goodness. little more. And then the ninth season, you're like, There's. okay, no, not really. But then the tenth season, you're like, okay, the ninth season was confusing, but the tenth season, you're focusing on different characters. Like, okay, I'm getting into this. And then you're like, wait, it just stopped in like episode 10? Where's the rest of it? There were six good episodes, and it was the first season. <laughs> first season is like a mini series. I The Walking Dead is crap, but I can't help it. I can't help it. I have to keep watching it. <laughs> I have Aaron invested. Aaron the same way. She loves The Walking Dead. No, she I know. There's so many people Walking that Dead love it. Dead. But then again, like, so trash are there a too, bunch so. of red flags going off when you're watching a red the walking okay, dead? Okay, another thing that bothers me, I think you guys all know, like kids, <laughs> if kids are getting hurt, I can't, right? They freaking straight up murder children in this show. And I'm like, oh, it's so bad. But okay, that's done. I'm going to keep watch. watching. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that is? Is it like you're. Uh, compelling nature to have to watch the rest of the show or of it, is there... yes but they just crap will happen you're like this is trash and you're like i'm done done with this and then that very next okay just one more and that very next episode you'll be like oh my gosh no way and they pull you right back <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting okay <sighs> liam what about for you what about for me well do you do you have anything i mean i know you were talking about I was the first one to answer. I know, but was there anything else besides Game of Thrones where where you kind of saw these red flags, but you or these deal breakers, but you're like, no, I'm going to continue enjoying it. Oh uh, no, I can't think Whoa. of anything right now. See, but the thing is, the thing is, I still got, I still, you said, I still was able to get you to watch Clone Wars, even though you said you don't like how people pitch their shows. When I pitched everybody, yeah, the beginning of the first like three seasons trash, but when you hit that fourth season, it gets really good. So I was looking at the camera. The yeah, because I heard that you had like, because you were like, no, but it involves other things. And I was like, oh, fine for you, Liam. I will do it. He was like, it's Star okay. Wars. Okay. Exception, and then I was like, oh, exception okay. to the rule. I will watch something that I have no interest in watching and I think is trash if it connects to something else that I do like. Case in point with the Clone Wars and some of the other cartoons that are star wars related that i just wasn't interested in watching it explained characters and some of the other live action stuff that everybody's like yeah. yay i can't believe it's them and i'm like who the hell is that so <laughs> having that also prequels prequels are a barrier to entry yeah me. having that background Sorry. information <laughs> makes it worth <laughs> watching additional content that i might not be interested in knowing the clone wars are based off of the prequels is just straight up the barrier of entry. You're just like, oh. Oh, oh, oh. what are you talking about? 
I, for me, I think that watching the Clone Wars made me appreciate the prequels a lot more. Mm-hmm. Personally. I think watching the Clone Wars made me appreciate the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and on that lovely note, I think it is time to end today's discussion. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to this. Are there things that you guys have deal breakers with? Like movies, games, I don't know, popsicles? That doesn't make any sense. Moving on. We would love to hear from you guys. So you can reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. We are 1L2N Productions, and we'd love to hear what you guys think. And if you like what we're doing, you want to help show your support for what we're doing, you can head on over to our Patreon. Much appreciated and much love. And the last word of the day goes to... That was a ride. Mike, take it away. Um, I would say that if you truly are passionate about creating something, just make sure it's done the best that it possibly can be. Make sure your production is matching what you have in your mind. Mm-hmm.